0: We're going to do a little biblical gymnastics this morning, and jump all around scripture, back and forth between Old and New Testament. We actually don't have that many verses, but I want to encourage you to follow as much as possible every verse that we look at. Go to every place in the Bible that I share with you. It's, it's very important that we're all on literally the same page. And uh, someone in the back will turn the lights on and... Everything okay back there, Mike? How are you doing? Right. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves until they rested on each one of them." And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now, hold on right there. Get the picture in your minds what's happening here. This is the day of Pentecost. It was not a Christian holiday. There was no Christian holiday. There was no real church yet at the time. This was about to happen. Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. And there were Jews gathered from all around to celebrate this holiday. And as they're in Jerusalem, something amazing happened. The twelve apostles, actually eleven plus one. It's another story for another time. But the apostles are all gathered together. And suddenly there's this rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Holy Spirit does something that he had never done before, at least not to this magnitude, in the history of God's relationship with mankind. He poured himself into human beings. He poured himself out on the people gathered there, the apostles, and they began to speak. And they're telling the story, and they're sharing the gospel, and they're preaching Jesus, but all of the different tongues and dialects that were gathered together together there heard in their own native tongue what was being spoken. And it was amazing and it freaked everybody out. And last week at the bridge, well actually just after that, we were up at the house last Sunday evening having dinner. We are sitting around the table and we were just talking about the day. And if you were here last Sunday, it it was a treat. It was indescribable. What the Lord did. I would call it an outpouring. It, it, it was one of the most um, touching things that the Holy Spirit has done since, since the bridge began. But we were talking about it in our family, just amongst ourselves, last Sunday evening. And as we sit at the ta- sat at the table, Hannah just said, I, I just want to know something, Dad. How can you tell if it's God talking to you, if it's His Holy Spirit talking to you, or if it's just you talking to yourself? What a great question. Have you ever wondered that? you ever thought that in your head? Now we're pausing. I I know that eventually we're going to get through the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments in like 40 weeks, I think is the plan right now. But we've got to put off the next commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Come back next week because it's a kicker. But we'll talk about that next week. I have that prepared. In fact, I can show you the notes if you'd like to see them. I'm all set to go. I get home last night. We The worship band's been in the studio all day trying to record some stuff and figuring out how to do that. And we got home real late last night. And I looked over the message and I did a few things for the PowerPoint file and I went to bed. And I could not get to sleep. And I was exhausted. And all night long I just kept waking up. And the second I'd wake up, I would go back to last Sunday. I just kept being taken back to it. As if all night long God was saying, you got to talk about it. you got to deal with this. You need to have some communication from my word about what I'm doing here so that everybody understands. Now, some, those of you who weren't here are like, what happened? <laughs> you guys freak out us? No, we didn't freak out. It was just there was a definite sense, and those of you who are here know this, a definite sense of God's Spirit filling this place. And it was really cool. There wasn't anything wacky or nutty or out there. It was just God's Spirit here. And so I got up this morning and I thought, <laughs> I've already got a message ready, Lord. Adultery. It's fun to talk about. It makes people uncomfortable. It'll be a good one. You got to know. That's for next week. And knowing the Lord, next week's message is going to be totally reworked because, you know, my anyway. And so I sat down and I thought about what is it you want? What do you want to be shared? And with apologies to Wednesday night's Bible students, those of you who are here, I need to share something with the entire body that we talked about Wednesday night, because this is so important. Last week, if you want an example again, for those who weren't here, of of something that happened, Phil Jones was here, Phil is uh, one of the missionaries we support, he is in Costa Rica, his wife Jane just passed away April 9th, of cancer. And he was here last week sharing with us and, and singing with the band. And about halfway through worship. I mean, the, the spirit was here very actively throughout the whole time. But all of a sudden, we just finished singing the song, and I'm sitting over here, you know, and, and all of a sudden Bill just started singing. He just went off. And I'm looking through my music. I don't know that song. Did we rehearse this? This is out of control. Bill was just singing he was singing in the spirit he was making it up on the spot a lot of you may not have realized that because Hank started playing and Galen started playing and Tom all of a sudden music joined it and I started playing and I had no idea what chord was coming next and I'm not kidding we didn't rehearse that this was so weird because I'm going from chord to chord going oh I hope this is right oh it's right oh I hope this is right oh thank you Jesus Uh, you know This was so orchestrated by God and and many we were just blown away. And that's why we had to keep going. You know, we we went long last week and and we opened the door and, and some had to leave, which was fine. By the way, I hope you feel freedom in this place. I hope you never feel like you're constrained. Oh no, church is going long. We can't, if I get up, everybody's going to leave. If you've got to leave, leave. You know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. But it was just amazing what was going on. And, and so we're trying to explain this. We're talking to the kids about it. And, and Hannah's question again comes up. How do you know that it's God's Spirit speaking to you and not just you speaking to yourself? And it's a question we all ask. I mean, there are many times in our lives where we're praying for an answer about something and then we think we get an answer and we're like, Was that you, Lord? Was that me? It's amazing how my prayer life brings me exactly what I want to have happen, you know. How do I get myself out of the way and just listen to His Holy Spirit? How do I respond to the Holy Spirit of the living God? But what is our role as a family, the Bridge Christian Fellowship, with regards to spiritual gifts? And the things of the Holy Spirit. Stuff that has divided churches, unfortunately, because the Spirit is not about division, but unity. Stuff that people are confused about. What does the Bible tell us about the workings of God's Spirit and how He pours the Spirit out on people and how do you know when the gifts given by the Spirit are appropriate? These are the types of questions I want to look into this morning, just for a few minutes. I don't even know how long this is going to be. I may go off. You may be here until 2 o'clock. Or it may be just 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. I don't have a lot of notes here. But we'll see where God leads. Go back to Acts chapter 2. And before we read any more, let's pray. Father, we need illumination here. And we are asking that you would explain to us in clear words and understanding how your spirit is involved in our lives. And Lord, we know this is a huge question. It's it's something that is part of our entire walk. And and probably, Lord, not something we're just going to figure out in one study. But I pray, Lord, you'd open the door and draw us through. And for those who have understanding of your Spirit, who have walked with your Spirit, maybe longer than others. May we have communication and dialogue and understand that it's okay to ask and okay to wonder. But that you do bring answer and resolution and revelation, Father, to our hearts and to our minds. And that's what we're seeking. To know your will, not only in our lives, but in the life of this fellowship. And to be led by your will. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us. Illuminate our minds this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this amazing thing happens, day of Pentecost, the apostles were gathered there, the Holy Spirit comes on them, there are tongues of fire, there were no tongues of fire last week, I was a little disappointed about that, but there were tongues of fire above the apostles as they began to speak and share the message of Christ, awesome things were happening, verse 5, pick it up there, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and were bewildered, which is exactly how most of us would respond, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, Why? Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and res- residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes Cretans and Arabs we hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another what does this mean? they were asking the same question that we ask today what does this mean? what is this work of the Holy Spirit among us? and if you're anything like me a tad bit cynical a tad bit untrusting You become concerned about things like this. Well, how do we allow God's Spirit to work without things getting out of control? And you probably have, if not heard about, maybe experienced church situations where in the middle of a service someone stands up and starts to give a word from the Lord and you're going, that doesn't sound like it's from God. I'm not sure if that's really from the Lord. I don't know if this is something I can trust and your immediate reaction is... I was talking to a friend this week about this very thing and saying, you know, this person grew up with some of it and was used to hearing some of these things but the reaction was boy, I'm glad I didn't invite a friend today they wouldn't get this they wouldn't understand I'm going to go out on a limb with some opinions here and one of them is that that is not of the Lord because the Lord doesn't do things that just don't make sense. That just freak you out and send you out the door running as fast as you can. His heart is to draw people in. His heart is to get people to His Spirit. His heart is to love and save. And so discomfort, that's not something that the Holy Spirit does. Oh, He may challenge the Christian. He may, you know, move you into different directions. But you're not going to feel, oh, mm, that's not right. Something's not right. If it's really. The Holy Spirit of the living God. The question was applicable back then. It's applicable today. What does this mean? Last night I got home, as I said, went to bed pretty late. And I'm laying in bed and thinking, I'm just going to get some sleep now. And one of the reasons I didn't share with you that I didn't sleep well last night was we have this window in our bedroom that's right around the back side of the house. And we've learned something about the placement of our, of our home. The wind just whips around the back corner, like 100 miles an hour. And it was blowing last night. And this particular window, doesn't have a screen in it or anything, and we're trying to figure out how to make this stop, but it is rattling like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it sounds like someone's starting a bad boat engine about every 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> At first we didn't even know what it was. Someone started a boat in our back. Cheryl, tell your dad to knock it off. It's one o'clock in the morning. What's he doing out there? And it just kept doing this rattling window, this this wind rattling the window. And for some people, the movement of the Holy Spirit is like wind rattling a window. They don't get it. It's just, what? What's going on there? What's happening? It's interesting to me that the word both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament for spirit is the same word. Different word in the Hebrew and the Greek, but it's the same word in English. In Hebrew, it's ruach. In Greek, it's pneuma. Both words mean spirit. Both words also mean wind. Wind. And so when you see in Acts chapter 2 that a rushing wind came in, that's the Greek word pneuma. And then it says the Holy Spirit came on them, that's the Greek word pneuma. Same word, wind, Spirit, flowing, breathing, moving. Not rattling, like my window. If you're rattled by the Spirit, you've got to stop and say, wait a minute, is that... Is that the spirit? We'll read on, see what happens here. They say, What does this mean? Verse 13. But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. I love Peter's response here. Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. And if you had stopped there, I would have said, Good job, Peter, standing for the truth. Then he goes a little further and says, Because it's only the third hour of the day. (laughs) So, Pete, if you're saying it was 9 p.m. or so, that would be possible. Anyway, moving on. It's only in the third hour of the day. But this was what was spoken, he says, through the prophet Joel. It shall be, he says, in the last days. God says that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And Peter goes on, he quotes Joel, I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter's talking about the last days, he applies Joel's prophecy to right then, that moment, Pentecost. And what he's doing is opening the door and saying, The last days have begun. Cool. So if anyone asks you, Do you really think we're living in the last days? Well, yeah. We have been for 2,000 years. We are in the last days. And if we're at the end of 2,000 years, in the last days, I'd say we're close. Men of Israel, verse 22, he goes on, Listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross. Now watch this. See what the Holy Spirit does? He comes on them and the immediate place that he takes them is Jesus. That's where they go. You don't see if you track this, if you follow this, you don't see the twelve apostles in self-exaltation while everybody watches. You don't see the twelve apostles standing up to be counted as great men of faith, as men filled with the Spirit, as men that everybody else should be amazed by. Just about the first thing out of Peter's mouth when he explains that this is of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. That's where he goes. How do you know it's the Holy Spirit talking to you? Well, if he's pointing you in the direction of Jesus, probably is. Because it is the Holy Spirit's job, one of His jobs, to point us to Jesus. To see Jesus. To exalt Jesus as the name above all names. Not, not to exalt ourselves. Peter's drawing on this prophecy of Joel. And again, it's a prophecy that we should not be surprised to see intensifying as the last days get more and more last. As we push closer to that time, as we are drawing closer to that time of Jesus' glorious return, of the church being called home, as that approaches, like I said yesterday, Barb, we should see a crescendo. Not a decrescendo, not a lessening of the actions of the Spirit, but more, more. Jesus said, John fourteen twelve, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Really, Lord? Healings and miracles and raising the dead. Greater works we're going to do? How is that possible? He says, because I go to the Father. They're going away and better stuff's going to happen. I don't understand. Yeah, because if I go away, then I will be with every one of you. If I go away My spirit will be poured out on you You will all have within you Spirit of Christ John 16.70 says I tell you the truth It's to your advantage that I go away For if I do not go away The helper will not come to you But if I go I will send him to you But again How do we know Hannah If it's him or the wind How do we know How do we know If it's not just my windows Rattling in my head Versus the Holy Spirit of the living God speaking to my heart. How do I know? This was the question I was praying through the week. And the answer came in the most obscure place on the hem of the robe of the high priest. Flip back to the book of Exodus chapter 28. You're not going to believe this. Well, some of you will because you've already heard it. But those of you who haven't. Exodus chapter 28, verse 31. Flip all the way back, the Old Testament. I love how God gives answers to our prayers and our questions. How He explains things when we ask. And I think part of the problem why maybe we don't understand things from time to time is we're not asking. We just come to the point of confusion and stop. Instead of having the boldness to step forward and go, God, I don't understand. Will you explain this to me? Show me somehow. And so I'm doing just the normal study, Exodus chapter 28, studying it for the Wednesday night Bible study, and boom, God gave a picture here that is awesome. Check this out. Exodus chapter 28, verse 31. You shall make the robe of the ephod of all plume. The high priest, he had an ephod, okay, that went over him, kind of a vest-like thing. And then on each of the shoulders There was an onyx stone That had the twelve tribes of Israel Six on one shoulder Six on the other Attached to this vest This ephod Was a breast piece That had twelve precious stones on it Each one of those Representing the twelve tribes of Israel And inside this breast piece He had this thing called The Urim and the Thummim Be sure you don't call it The Urim and the Thummim Because that's completely wrong The Urim and the Thummim That are in there And were used for determining God's will For understanding God's will But here's what's really cool We don't have an Urim and a Thummim today because we have the Holy Spirit in our heart declaring to us God's will. we don't need an extra thing. How does that work, Rick? We're getting there. Hang with me. Underneath the ephod and the breastpiece and the Urim and the Thummim, under all of this now is a robe, a blue robe. Actually, it's a hyacinth robe, more along the lines of purple. It's interesting, Wednesday night we talked about the fact that the one time we see Jesus wearing a robe, it's purple when he was being brutalized by the Roman soldiers and they put a purple robe on him and laughed at him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they proclaimed him to be exactly what he was. So this robe is hanging down and now the Bible goes on to tell what they're supposed to do. God tells Moses, There shall be an opening at its top. Verse 32. In the middle of it. Around its opening there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail, so that it will not be torn. You shall make on its hem pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet material all around its hem and bells of gold between them all around. Verse 34 A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate all the way around the hem of the robe. Isn't that great? And now that we all understand, I want you to have a great day. Go home, have lunch. What in the world do pomegranates and bells have to do with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is everything. Check this out. Pomegranates. Pomegranates. You've seen a pomegranate, haven't you? Messy fruit. Lots of fun for kids to eat especially. Pomegranates have more seeds in them than any other fruit on the planet. They are packed full of seeds. It's interesting, we won't get into it now because you get into all kinds of different things, but each one of those seeds are wrapped with this sweet blood-red juice. I think that's interesting. Again, we'll talk about that maybe another time. But in the pomegranate, all of these seeds, the pomegranate is a picture of fruit. It is fruit. So going all the way around the hem of this robe is fruit. Fruit. The pomegranate, gang, is a picture of spiritual fruit. Of what spiritual fruit does. Jesus said, John 12, 24, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Fruit. Which is why Jesus said, if I go away, you will be able to do more. Because I will be in you. You will have spiritual fruit. And fruit bears more fruit. An apple falls off the tree, the seeds go into the ground. Fruit. The pomegranate, full of seeds, full of the promise of spiritual fruit. So what does that look like? What does spiritual fruit look like? What is this pomegranate idea? What's this a picture of? Galatians chapter 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now I want you to remember that. Those nine things, the nine pictures of the fruit of the Spirit. What happens is that if the Holy Spirit is in your life, this kind of fruit should be produced. You can tell, by the way, if someone is walking with the Lord by the fruit that's hanging on their tree. If they have love hanging off of them, joy and peace. If there is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the spiritual fruit. These are pictures of the fruit that the Spirit develops and produces in us. Pomegranates fruit all the way around the robe of the high priest now if you haven't been studying these things you need to understand that everything the high priest wore spoke of Jesus to the colors the pictures everything on his whole outfit spoke of our great high priest Jesus Christ and the book of Hebrews declares that to be the case so we know that we can look at the high priest and we can draw these pictures off of it so pomegranates picturing spiritual fruit what about the bells little bells all the way around the outskirts of this robe the bells picture spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Because the bells were a witness. They were a testimony hanging off of that robe. What do you mean? Look at verse 35. It shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its tinkling shall be heard when he enters and leaves the holy place before the Lord so that he will not die. Well, what's that mean? When Aaron went into the holy place, he was wearing this whole getup. He had on the robe with those bells, the pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell, all the way around. And the bells made this tinkling sound as he moved around inside of the tabernacle. The people on the outside of the tabernacle could listen. And if they heard the tinkling bells, they knew the high priest was okay. They knew he was still alive. Bad news if the tinkling stopped. Bad news if there was no sound, and it's like you know, I said on Wednesday night, I just you gotta wonder if Aaron just did it for fun. You know, just stop. <laughs> I don't
1: know.
0: Bells all the way around that God says are a witness, a testimony to the people that Aaron is alive in the tabernacle. In the same way, the spiritual gifts are a testimony that the Spirit is alive in the person. That the person is alive in Christ. How do you know someone's alive in Christ? Spiritual gifts are a testimony to it. A witness to it. Oh boy, Rick's going into the spiritual gifts. Here we go. Put on your seatbelt. We're going to be offended. Just hang on. Okay, listen and listen very closely to the next few things I'm going to share. Number one, I did not say the gifts of the Spirit are a measure of personal righteousness. One of the worst lies that has been propagated by the enemy is that the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to the body are supposed to glorify the individual and that is so far from the truth it's sickening. That is not what the spiritual gifts are for. They are not to elevate us. They are not to lift us up. And they are not to be used as a measure or a standard. Well I have this gift and you only have that one. Therefore I am more righteous. One of the most amazing wonderful spiritual gifts out there is the gift of helps. Who cares about the gift of helps? I want tongues! I want healing! I want stuff that I can do that's so powerful when people see me do it they go, Whoa, he's really walking with the Lord. As opposed to the guy who's, you know, taking out the trash. How many people watch the guy taking out the trash and go, Man, I want to be just like that. <laughs> I was over in the barn the other day this person was sweeping up. Oh, if I could only be that spiritual. Spiritual gifts, gang. We get it all cluttered around in our heads, thinking there are certain ones that are more valuable than others. And the Bible says it is not so. What do you mean? I want you to flip over to First Corinthians chapter twelve. First Corinthians chapter twelve. And again, my goal this morning is just just for us to see what the Bible says. What does God's Spirit say to us about this? Because of the Bridge Christian Fellowship, we don't want to quench the Spirit. We don't want to restrain the work of God's Spirit. We want Him free to do what He wants to do, whatever that may be. However, we also know that His own Word details what that's going to look like. And we don't have to be guessing as to what is of the Spirit and what is not, because the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts... Make the distinction, not spiritual fruit. Not the fruit of the Spirit. That's a different thing. We'll come back to that. That's pomegranates. This is bells. Okay? Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. I know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Once again, Paul takes you right to Jesus. If the Spirit's involved, Jesus' name is going to come up. If the Spirit's involved, you will be led to Jesus. Reading on. He says, verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation, that is the the tangible, visible action of of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, you might want to underline this, for the common good. It doesn't read, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the one person to look better than the other, or for the individual to be exalted for the common good. It is for the body, for the fellowship. That's what the gifts are for. Paul is very clear. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits and to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit listen to this one and the same spirit don't miss this one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills as he wills Whose call is the spiritual gifts? Who gives them? The Spirit does. Who determines who gets what? The Spirit does. The Spirit does. Now this is key to our original question. How do you know when the spiritual gifts are appropriate? When they're being used in the body. How do you know the right time, the right place, the right use of of the spiritual gifts? So that on a Sunday morning at the bridge, things don't just go woo. Although woo might be kind of fun. How do you know... Skip on down to verse 27. And as we're skipping down to verse 27, keep in mind the pattern on the high priest's robe. Pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, fruit, witness, fruit, witness. First Corinthians twelve twenty-seven now you are Christ's body and individually members of it and God has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles and then gifts of healing helps administrations various kinds of tongues now a lot of churches really chase after going speaking in tongues and I'm not making any negative comment about speaking in tongues but it is a problem when that gets elevated over the rest of the list especially since it comes after administrations and once again you don't see anybody going wow that guy types so well he must be in the spirit (laughs) administrations he's so well organized in the way he handles the church she just has things lined up perfectly what an administrator the Holy Spirit must be on her and yet what does the Bible say there's a list and these are all valuable all important reading on again verse 29 all are not apostles are they all are not prophets are they All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Pomegranates, bells, pomegranates, bells. How does this all work? Spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts. How does it work together? How does the church pursue these things together? And that's your key. You pursue them together. But we are seeking after Yes, you know, we do want the spiritual gifts of God because we want His gifts at work for the common good of the body, blessing people in the body, drawing people to Christ, doing what the Spirit has the power to do that we don't have the power to do, witnessing Jesus' bells ringing. But we need spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are, are important as well. Bells and pomegranates Both together And by the way What is the number one Spiritual fruit But The first fruit on the list It's love And if you read it In the original language The indication is That all the other fruit Are tied into that one It's not just first by accident That it is primary And the rest of the fruit Flows out of love Now do you see this picture In your mind Here's the high priest robe Pomegranate Bell pomegranate fell if it was all pomegranates all the way around there would be no witness no one would know if he was in the tabernacle or not just spiritual fruit but no gifts there's no witness how do we know that this person isn't just a loving person a nice guy but if you have all bells all the way around it's nothing but tinkling clanging banging it doesn't make sense it's loud it's noisy and what does Paul say about that he says in 1 Corinthians 13 1 if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal clanging around the body banging around in the tabernacle bells
1: bells bells all bells. Oh, bells
0: it's very confusing where's the fruit Someone hand me a pomegranate, please. (laughs) Pomegranates and bells. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual fruit. The Holy Spirit gives both. And both is what a healthy body needs to grow in the Spirit. The fruit and the witness of the Spirit, they go hand in hand. And so you ask the question, when you're in the body and the Holy Spirit pours out, as He did last week, is there love there? Is there peace? As I'm experiencing these things in the Spirit, am I patient? Do I feel kindness, goodness? Is faithfulness involved here? Is there gentleness? There's a big one. Is there gentleness? How about the last one? You ready for this? Self-control. Oh, I have to tell you right now what the Spirit is telling me to say. Everybody else shut up because this is so important. Where's the self-control? Sorry, but you're lacking a fruit there, buddy. No one hand him a pomegranate. God is not a God of disorder. The Bible's clear about that. He gives us gifts for the common good. He gives us fruit so that the gifts will be interspersed with that which is of God. It makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. And I believe in this gang that we have the key to remaining within the Spirit's will, both here at the bridge and in our personal lives as well remaining in the spirit's will that's the point not some experience although he will give experiences not some reaction although there will be reactions not some particular spiritual gift although the gifts should flow and Joel prophesied would flow in the last days in the body to all people not just those things but also the fruit as well Joel chapter 2 verse 28 it will come about after this After this, that phrase is achar. It means at the tail end. It shall come about at the tail end that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so we pray that the Lord would not just give us gifts. Not fill the place just with bells, but intersperse the bells with the fruit. That we might be completely in the will of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Lord, I feel like we scratched the surface. And I pray that, that our study this morning would result in conversation. And then we'd be a people that are not afraid to seek out the will of our Father. But people not tied to tradition. Whether our tradition may be uh, greatly charismatic, or our tradition may be very cut off to those things, may we set aside tradition and seek, Lord, just to know your will. To walk with your Spirit. To live as you have called us to live, trusting you, believing in you, and not worrying ourselves with all other things. And we thank you, Lord, for touching us so richly last week. And we thank you for the way that you showed up, but not just then, today. And we thank you that any time that we desire to be with you, Father, you are there. You're already there. All we need to do is turn around and look. Jesus, we love you so much. And we want to live lives of praise and worship to you. So fill us up with spiritual fruit. And give the gifts as you will. And may we receive them with the hearts of children. Happy and thankful. And full of gratitude to our Father. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah.